You're listening to the Tour Station Western League podcast with Ian Knockholz and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode four of this season's Tool Station Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I'm delighted to welcome onto the line. It is the editor of the Tool Station Western League Bulletin, Mr. Tom Hiscott. Hello, Tom. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Good to speak to you again. You doing all right? I'm okay. I am okay. Did you have a good weekend? It was all right, yeah. I think, yeah, I think survived. So, yeah, not not too bad. And, and you? Get, get to a game at all or...? I didn't. I went to the um, waterfront city of Portsmouth uh-huh. and um, I, I did actually go for a swim, which Lovely. is not something that I normally do <laughs> in uh, British waters because it's normally very cold. Yep. But actually, that's what I was looking for this weekend. <laughs> and them, the yeah. Solent didn't disappoint, I have to say. Um, so I had a very pleasant weekend bobbing around in the Solent. <laughs> but it does strike me that, of course, the funny thing about this time of year is particularly I'm conscious of it because my kids are off of school. Mm-hmm. Um, it is holiday season, isn't it? I mean, it's the season where we traditionally go off for our summer holidays, which we haven't been able to do for the last few years because of all of the COVID Stuff. business. And, and then, of course, you know, the fact that we, you can't get a flight for love nor money. Mm. Um, but, um, but you know, it, it, it does have an impact, doesn't it, on non-league it football? Because, we, you know, we do know about... I mean, I've spoken in the last week to a couple of managers who've... Um, you know, haven't been able to, you know, they've been without quite a few players because of the holiday season. So mm-hmm. um, all joking aside, that's an element. And, of course, the other element, and we, we noticed it last week on social media. I don't know if you picked up on this, but, you know, there was the, 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 not, un, the not entirely unreasonable question. Should we really be running around in mm. 35 degrees of heat? I'm not surprised that it's been been broached. I mean, I don't know if earlier kickoff times are possible, but I don't know if that even helps, to be honest. I think it was just... Yeah, stiflingly hot all day, wasn't it? I don't know if it was. Um, I don't. Well, don't know. Haven't heard the opinion of a player particularly, but I'm sure they would have. Um, yeah, they're probably best to tell us. But um, it did feel like a, yeah, a tough afternoon. I would have thought running around for for 90 minutes. Indeed, a hard day at the office. In fact, mm. I'm, I can't help but wondering if you were actually in an office, you probably wouldn't have actually <laughs> been there. You know, yeah. it's only sort of running around in completely unshaded football grounds. Mm-hmm. You? That we do this sort of thing, but anyway, um, we're going to have to put up with it for a bit longer. I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and at the moment, I suppose if if there is a positive that we can take, it is that we've had plenty of Tool Station Western League football to talk about, which is exactly what we're going to be doing on this week's episode of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And we hear from a new manager uh, in the Premier Division, Falmouth Town's Andrew Westgarth joins us for the very first time, which I'm really looking forward to. And we hear from a manager who has been a bit of a stalwart in recent seasons. It is Eamon Daly, the uh, the manager of Portishead Town, who are doing rather well at the moment in the first division. And that's not the only interviews we bring you on this week's podcast. We also bring you an update on Project Southwest. Yes, that's the, the merger between the Tall Station Western League and the Southwest Peninsula League. And we have another catch-up with Phil Hiscox and John Paul um, to see where we are with that particular initiative. But we will kick off with some Premier Division football, not on Saturday the 13th of August, but on Friday the 12th of August, in the Premier Division, a Somerset derby between Street and Bridgewater Town. And this was something of a one-sided affair. It was, um, yeah, went the way of uh, the away side. Uh, they followed up their 8-1 victory just a couple of days earlier over Canesham with a, a, another seven-goal win uh, away at Street. Seven goals to nil they won by uh, then. And on, on Friday, as I say, uh, yeah, 
Bridgewater in absolutely fantastic form, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, they definitely uh, enjoyed the uh, the weather last week. Uh, Jake Llewellyn putting them ahead from the spot after just 10 minutes. Uh, a couple of headers from Troy Simpson and J- Jordan Greenwood then extending their lead before man the match Jack Taylor got his first of the first of the game just before the halftime uh, whistle. Uh, and then it was a couple of efforts uh, to start the second half from Jacob Brown and Mark Armstrong stretched out even further uh, before Taylor added his second pretty late on. So, uh, yeah, really <laughs> a dominant couple of days from Bridgewater. And, uh, yeah, they uh, they took, the, uh, took the, uh, the local bragging rights. Now we will move on to Saturday the 13th of August and we'll kick things off in the Premier Division at Falmouth Town where the visitors were Clevedon United. And I think that this was something of an, an uncharacteristic bad away day for the Somerset side. Yeah, it did feel a bit like that. They, um, yeah, they were down and down and out before before anyone really could um, could take stock. Uh, they took a form of taking the lead off just 12 minutes. James Swan was long ranger uh, nestling in the back of the net. Uh, and then, yeah, a couple of uh, couple of minutes later, it was Tim Nixon slamming the ball home. So uh, the home side two up uh, in no time at all, really. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it sort of spiralled from there um, for the... Uh, uh, for Falmouth, uh, a couple more goals before the break. Alex Walton making it 3-0. Uh, and then Nixon again with an excellent free kick um, in first half stoppage time, putting it, uh, making it 4-0. Uh, and that was how it stayed. So a terrific home win for, for Falmouth over uh, Clevedon. Falmouth Town doing to Clevedon what uh, Brentford did to Manchester mm-hmm. United. Absolutely. Well, Falmouth, of course, are a welcome addition this season to the Tool Station Western League. And uh, this was all the excuse I needed to get hold of their manager, Andrew Westgarth. And I started off by asking Andrew whether the win was as comprehensive as the scoreline suggests. Uh, yeah, I think it was actually. I think uh, for 45 minutes we were with we a good value, clinical in front of goal, and fully deserved our 4-0 lead. And, and, and the way the games generally always go, um, second half is a bit of a non-event. Um, you know, Clevedon had a few chances, but you know we stayed resilient and. Uh, come away with a clean sheet and first one of the season. Because Clevedon are one of those sides, you know, they've got a very good reputation in the Western League. Um, what did you make of them on the day? Uh, yeah, yeah, well organised. Um, you know, I suppose like every team in this league, they all seem to have a, a, a big centre-half, a bit dominant in the air, uh, a big lad up front, and, and then you knock it around well. So, um, it was a strange old game, really. Cause, you know, we didn't have loads of chances, but we just seemed to be... Uh, we just seem to be cynical on the day, and, and once you go into a three-nil lead, it's, it's difficult for any side, isn't it? So, um, you know, like I said, second half they cause us, cause us a few problems, and um, on another day they could have had a couple. So, you know, I'm sure they'll be fine, but you know, they're, they're struggling a little bit result-wise, isn't they? I think they've had three, three defeats now themselves. Um, but yeah, I'm sure they'll, I'm sure they'll be absolutely fine. Because that was your first league win of the season. Now, of course, you'd beaten Saltash in the FA Cup the week before. But, um, I mean, what have you made of your start to the Western League campaign? Uh, a little bit frustrating, if I'm being brutally honest. Um, I think it's been a little bit well documented down here. You know, we've, we've struggled with uh, player availability, with holidays, weddings. Seems to be the most common reason for guys missing. You know, we struggled. We struggled for the first two games, really, probably more so up at, up at Millbrook. Um, you know, we went up there with a lot of first-team players missing, and and I must admit, I did fear the worst against Sol Ash because we were in a similar situation where we were missing a lot of key players. But you know, I feel on Saturday now we've pretty much got everyone back, um, so our season can really kick on and start from now, really going forward. 
the, the teams that I've spoken to that have come up from the Peninsula League, they, you know, they often talk about the fact that they want to, they want to travel. You know, they want to play the likes of Clevedon, they want to play the likes of Wellington, they want to go into Bristol and Somerset. Um, so, I mean, did Saturday sort of make it feel like you had properly arrived? Because obviously, before that, you'd played sides that you probably knew a bit about in Saltash and Millbrook. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it was that we've arrived because we haven't actually played a, a, a big away game yet. So I suppose for us at the minute, it's, it almost feels like a little bit like cup football because obviously, you know, we would have only played Cleveland before in the FA Vars. And um, I think once we start getting into the swing of, of uh, you know, playing the playing the sides away, then it would feel probably more like a Western League campaign. Whereas at the minute, it's we're just playing so many corner sides. Um, yeah, it doesn't quite feel like that yet. So, what about your ambitions for this season? I mean, what what targets have you set for you, you know, yourself and the side? Uh, I suppose, you know, you just want to consolidate, don't you? I suppose going up into the new league is all unknown, isn't it? It's, you know, everyone tells us tells us we're going to be alright, but you know, it's hard to gauge unless you do it yourself. And, and you know, I suppose, you know, the way we 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 market is again how we've done in the FA Vars, and we, you know, we've always done quite well in that. So. You know, if we could be competitive, you know, and, and we could just, like I said, consolidate in the league and, and see how you get on if we're, if we're in a good position after Christmas, and then you set, set a new little target and, and just try and push on and um, finish as high as you can, really, and, and always look at trying to, you know, do well in the Cups. When you came into the league this season, and, you know, obviously you, you're looking at how well other sides have done, like, you know, Helston, Saltash, of course, Mausel in particular. Um, which teams did you th- well, which teams do you think are going to go well this season? Well, I think yeah, all the all the Plinchler sides have done well in the, in the Western League. I suppose you've got to look at like, Exmouth as well and Tavistock and, and like you said, Ben and it, Mausel, Salt Ash. You know that was the top four, and they were all playing Plinchler League last year, if not the season before that. So you know, give us give us a little bit of um, a little bit of optimism. Um, and then like you said, you know, Millbrook did did did, did, did well and. See Halston, um, you know, what do they come night for something? So, um, you know, so they all done really well, and and then I suppose then, like you said, I think, you know, what the project Jake's got going down at Malzo is, is uh, you know, they seem to be doing quite well. So I'd imagine, naturally, because they come third last year, you'd probably put them in the bracket of doing well again. But anything can happen in football, isn't it? You know, we had the, we had we had to deal with pressure all last season. Actually, we obviously with the restructure, a lot of teams left, and we were left in the Provincial League and. You know, we had to deal with each game, you know, being classed as the favourites, but you know, we actually, uh, you know, we managed to come on top of that. So um, I'm sure Mal's all got to deal with that pressure, and it'll be interesting to see how they get on with it. Now you've got two midweek games coming up, haven't you? You've got Tor Point this week and Helston next week, and you know, I guess I suppose you, they're two sides that you know quite a lot about. Yeah, they are. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we played uh, we played Tor Point not long ago in the in the Champions Bowl. They won the East Division, we won the West Division, so you know, it wasn't that long ago we played them. Uh, yeah, Halston, we haven't played obviously for a season or so because obviously they were in the Western League last year. Uh, you know, it's obviously a different, different sort of rivalry now with Halston, obviously with Steve, Steve Massey moving upstairs and, and they're bringing in Matty Cusack. So yeah, sort of different, uh, different dynamics to the rivalry now. A lot of what we're talking about is, you know, the games that you've been playing historically and the sides that you're now going to come up against, you know, the likes of um, Clevedon, the likes of Bridgewater and Shepton Mallet. 
I mean, when you joined the Western League this season, how, how, how did you feel when you heard the news about the merger between the Western League and the Peninsula League and this new Step 5 division that's going to cover the south of the area? To answer your first question, I suppose when we moved into this league, I was excited as, as a manager. You know, I was just, this is my eighth season now. You know, I wanted to test myself against other teams and challenge ourselves and go to different places and you know, experience new venues and all that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, obviously with the talks of the merger, uh, obviously it's out of our hands, isn't it? You know, there's, there's people that have been in the league long enough to, to make those decisions and, and we just got to deal with it, really. You know, travelling is a big issue for us down in down in Cornwall but you know I, I think I think you can show you know, we've got quality down here so I, I think it'd be a good thing and people can talk about standards all they want but, you know you can only play what's in front of you and, and you can only deal with next season when it comes to it Right now let's move back to the, the match day experience obviously we've talked about the games you've got coming up in front of you I mean a lot of the people you're talking to now, a lot of the people who are listening to the Western League podcast, of course, won't have been at Falmouth. But, of course, the history books show that Falmouth, you know, are the great powerhouses of the uh, of the Western League. So, you know, for this season, even if it is the one that means that, you know, we don't, you know, the likes of Welton Rovers or Ashton and Backwell don't necessarily get to come down to you next season. Can you sell me, Andrew? Can you sell me a match day at Falmouth Town? What's that like? <laughs> noisy yeah we're sport really down at Falmouth we've got an iconic ground really um, quite unique really we've got a got a grandstand built into the bank um, which is which is uh, quite a big one and, and uh, we've got a, a bit of a slopey ground really um, so sort of makes them like a bit of a cauldron and, and we're obviously backed by the F Troop and uh, yeah, they're vocal you know win or lose they're right behind us and uh, yeah it's full of colour full of noise yeah, it's not like, it's not like one of your modern grounds, which is like just a square pitch with you know fencing around it. It's, it's quite a unique um, ground, and and you know, Falmouth as a club isn't actually that old. You know, I think it's only formed in 1950, so it's only like 70 odd years old. But like you said, you know, a matter of trophies the clubs won, it's steeped in history, and uh, you know, obviously being being a Falmouth lad myself, I'm obviously a little bit biased. And for me, it's the it's the greatest ground to play in Cornwall, if not the southwest that I've been to. Well, that's a wonderful note to finish on, Andrew. And, and, and it's, this is a question I ask every manager the first time I get to, a chance to speak to them on the podcast. Um, because um, I really i am fascinated to know about your particular journey to the Falmouth Town dugout. Can you tell us about that? I used to play for Falmouth when I was, uh, when I was, when I was playing, when I started my career, if you want to call it. Um, and then for whatever reason, never really settled at Falmouth playing, um, sort of moved around a bit. Um, and then I, I had the chance to come back. I don't know when I was like 28, maybe. Um, yeah, I had a season back at the club, and and, and, the, and the, the team was struggling really. We didn't do too well. I think we come third bottom of the Southwestern League, which it was then. Might be the Plinch League actually. Yeah, the Plinch League. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't going so well. And then um, uh, I think I left again. Then actually, I went I went and played elsewhere. Uh, only for one season. I got a phone call to come back. Uh, I think I would have been 30 then um, to come back and play because uh, the manager there was a new manager he wanted to uh, he wanted to make it a bit more local and then within a game pre-season he quit and then the chairman rang me up and said look would you be interested in taking taking the job and I was a bit shocked at the time because I was only 30 you know I, I hadn't even really thought too much about managing it was always something that I would want to do in the future but obviously at 30 you 
you do think is it too early, too young? And then, uh, you know, I had a good think about it and uh, I thought it was too big an opportunity to turn down, you know, my hometown club, Falmouth, for all its struggles and difficulties at the time, you know, because I think they were, they had been threatened with eviction and the ground was up for sale and he was going to move and the club was in a bit of a bad way, really. It was run down, no money was spent on it. The infrastructure was non-existent. So, but I just saw it as a massive challenge, an opportunity that, you know, you look at, managers in positions, you know, say Joycey for arguments like a bit of her, he's been doing it for 25 years. So, you know, I sort of looked at Darren Gilbert at the time, you know, I think he's been at Bobman for like 15, 16 years and the last four well, you know, if I don't take it, somebody else could come in. You know, I've been at Falmouth now for eight years. So, you know, if someone was waiting for me to go, they might be waiting a bit longer. So, um, it was just a great opportunity, like I said, and, and it's something that I've, you know, knocked the back on and we've gone from strength to strength. The club, like I said, at the time was in a bad place, but it's, it's back up, back up to its former glory, and uh, yeah, she's uh, we're looking onwards and upwards, which is which is great, and uh, yeah, sort of mentally proud really of how far we've come. And my thanks to Andrew for his time. Now moving on to Helston, now of course a more established Western League side, they took on Wellington. In a five-goal thriller, Tom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, plenty coming out of this game. I think this was probably the most um, controversial game of the weekend. Or yeah, uh, definitely lots of lots of big moments. That's for sure. Uh, and it was Helston who came out on on top. Three-two win for them over Wellington. Uh, just one goal in the first half, and that was uh, a penalty for Reuben Wilson. Uh, he'd been fouled and so uh, dusted himself down before for popping home the spot kick, making it one 0 at the break. Say, uh, but then Wellington fired out of the. Uh, the blocks in the second half, making a dream start, uh, and it was miles quick, uh, volleying home after being teed up by his brother Jake. So that was, uh, yeah, all within 60 seconds of the restart. So that was one all. Uh, but it was then Helston who, who uh, yeah, reasserted themselves. Uh, Wilson uh, nodding home his second of the afternoon after about an hour or so, uh, making it 2-1. And then Ricky Shepherd uh, scoring uh, to make it 3-1, uh, beating the offside trap. I think uh, some people potentially thought they saw a flag maybe go up or or a whistle or whatnot, but uh, it, it was a goal and it was given. So that was uh, Helston leading by three goals to one. As I say, uh, it was a thriller. Uh, Wellington came back into it. Sully McKenna scoring in the closing stages, uh, making it 3-2, but that was unfortunately for the visitors as close as they got. A couple of red cards late on, I think, obviously, as I say, maybe the heat got to a few people. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was Helston who took away the three points. Did you get a chance to have a look at the highlights on YouTube for this game, Tom? Not caught them yet. Not caught them yet. Well, I'd definitely like to point you towards Pyron Films. Oh, yeah. Um, that, you know, we talked about them, obviously, last season and um, uh, the highlights. I, I watched the, uh, the highlights at the weekend, really enjoyed that. I think, actually, you know, normally when we're looking at highlights from a game like this, it's, you know, it's one for either the Helston fans or possibly even the Wellington fans because they did put in a, you know, they put in a good shift on the day. But actually, I think it's something for all, you know, Western League fans, really good advert for Western League football. As you say, plenty of talking points, really entertaining uh, watch. So um, um, I definitely recommend that. Now, moving on to Shepton Mallet. Of course, we talk about Shepton going under the radar. Um, Barnstable Town, they've had some good results so far this season. Well, they didn't on Saturday. Shepton continuing their very impressive form. Yeah, I think they uh, became just the second side to uh, maintain their 100% start. I think Bridgewater are one of those and Shepton the other. So, uh, yeah, fantastic start for them. 2-0 uh, win uh, on Saturday over Barnstable. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty great start for them, isn't it, all things considered. Uh, it was goals from Jacob Sloggett and Joe Morgan in this one. And, obviously, they had a, a good win in the Cup as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Credit to credit to Shepton how they've uh, begun 
we get a life in the Premier Division this season. And finally, in the Premier Division, a game that last season we talked about in the First Division, Welton Rovers against Sherbourne Town. The two sides promoted from our First Division into the Premier Division. Now, of course... Sherbourne had a long had a long march to the title. They had a very impressive run in, and um, they really did conquer all before them, including the early season leaders, Welton Rovers. Well, the Green Army had something else in mind on Saturday, and this time it was the home side that won out in this battle of the two promoted teams. It was, and another five goal thriller uh, with the home side coming out three to two uh, victors in this one. Uh, and they went ahead in the, just before half-time, uh, Matty Morris scoring his first goal for the club. Uh, so uh, a good good start, good opening half for, for, for the Rovers. And, uh, yeah, they soon made it 2-0. Uh, Cam Allen, he was probably the star of the show on Saturday afternoon. Uh, yeah, made it made it 2-0 to, to the Green Army. Uh, Sherbourne, long way back for them. But they did they did begin to, to come back into the game. Aaron White pulling one back uh, with 10 minutes left on the clock. So setting up a potentially uh, entertaining last 10. And that was how it played out. But it was Welton who went back back into their two-goal advantage. Allen scoring for the second time. Uh, but that yeah, still wasn't the end of the scoring. Duncan McCabe grabbing a grabbing a late a late effort uh, for Sherbourne, making it 3-2. But, uh, yeah, Welton managed to hang on and, uh, yeah, end their opponent's winning start. So uh, a good good home win for Welton on Saturday afternoon. Now, moving on to the first division, and we're going to kick off with Brislington. And they were taking on Bishop Sutton, who started the, the season in very, very good form. It's a close one here, Tom, but um, I think the home side will have, will be the ones who've gone home happy. Yeah, definitely. And they've yeah they've been made an impressive start, haven't they, to, to the first division uh, season. And uh, a 1-0 win over, over Bishop Sutton, who likewise had um, yeah, come out... Um, yeah, come out all guns firing, really, this season. But it was Brislington, uh, the 1-0 win, and they did it the hard way. Joe McLennan was sent off pretty early on, I think, inside the opening quarter. So, uh, yeah, tough tough to do it with 10 men, but that was that was what they did. Uh, perseverance really did pay off in this one. It was Jordan Scadding, uh, a, a curled finish from him, about 10 minutes left on the clock. And, uh, yeah, they hang on to uh, claim the 1-0 win. Now, two teams from two different sides of Bristol. Bristol Telephones, they took on Portishead Town. And on this occasion, it was the away side that went home happy. Yeah, and they uh, they came from behind to do so. Uh, a 2-1 win uh, for them at the, at the home of the Bristol Telephones. Uh, they went uh, went behind after about 10 minutes or so, uh, but Callum Townsend uh, responded instantly. So it was a real good, real good fight back, um, making it, yeah. Obviously, didn't want to stay behind for long, and that was the case. Uh, a chip finish from him, drawing them level. Uh, and then it was about 20 minutes or so left on the clock uh, when uh, when they when they went ahead for the first time. Josh Honey uh, beating a couple of men before smashing home from from just outside the area. And uh, yeah, another team that hung on to win by by the odd goal. So a good good start to the season for the undefeated Port's Head. A very good start to the season by the undefeated Portis Head Town, and their manager has been a great supporter of the podcast, um, Eamon Daly. We've enjoyed our conversations with him in recent seasons. Of course, been challenging on a number of different fronts, really, um, which um, we do talk about in the interview. But we started off by talking about the fact that Portishead Town, top of the league. So what's going on? Um, yeah, it's, it's too early to be uh, getting too excited about it, but we're going in the right direction, which is very pleasing. This is just a culmination of, of, of our hard work over the last couple of years, I think, and uh, we've started well, so uh, long may it continue. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll keep our feet on the ground and um, 
I mean, that's our main focus at the moment is just trying not the lads to get carried away, uh, too carried away with it, and just take each game as it comes. And you know, it's a, that old cliche, but it's true. And uh, we'll we'll keep knocking them off one game at a time, and hopefully, uh, the good form continues. How does it? How does your current form sort of marry then with the expectations uh, that you'd set for your side this season? I mean, are the expectations that you want to sort of stay in and around the top, uh, the top of the table? Um, yeah, that is our expectation this year. Um, I mean, coming into this, coming into the start of this season, this is the first season since I've been involved that I've managed to retain all the players I'd all wanted to retain um, from the previous year. And that's been the biggest challenge year on year because you lose a couple of players and you, you, you're replacing them and, and um, you know, you've got new faces coming in and, and it kind of just disrupts the, the whole the whole sort of uh, thing that you're trying to do. Um, so this year was, was, was a great bonus. We got into the last um, probably a few months before the end of the season. We kind of explained to them what, what our plans were for this year. We were going to try and strengthen and, and bring in a few um few more experienced heads as it were um, while still carrying on with the development of the youngsters that's I mean that's, that's a real main focus for the club but so the retention of those players was paramount in 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 having a good start to this season I mean over the years I mean the the clubs that have done well have been the clubs that have been consistent um, with with their with their players from previous seasons and we've seen it with Welton we've seen it with with Warminster uh, Wynn Canton um, and you know that's that, that's been our sort of that's been our model to to go to, and, and hopefully now we're reaping the benefits of that. Um, but like I say, there's a long, long way to go. Because it's an interesting um, league this season, because of course we've got the merger coming up um, at the start of next season, meaning that the top four are in line for promotion. I mean, is is that something that you'd like to achieve with the club? Yeah, very much so. Um, that that is our aim is to is to you know. Um, Get the club playing higher, um, but that comes that comes with a lot of with a lot of work, um, and also building the right the right people around that um, off the pitch and on the pitch. So, um, yeah, that is our focus this year. Uh, top four. Well, we set our sights on a top six finish, but um, you know, if, if you if you're setting your sights on a top six finish, and I think you have to you know take that next step and 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 try and push to to, to the top really. Um, we know that's going to be very difficult. There's some very good sides in this league, um, but we think we're at a place in the moment that we, we can achieve that. I don't know how closely you've been following the, the, the news of the merger, sort of known as Project Southwest, until we've got a, a, another title, I suppose, that we can that we can use. But do, do, does does the prospect of this merger make it more realistic? You think for clubs like Portishead to consider promotion to Step Five? I mean, is this something? Had, had you had the the travel distances that our Premier Division has this season, is that something that you think would have kept you out of the the, the running for for making this step up? Um, I think that you you kind of have to you have to look at, at what it is and and you know you have to put the necessary steps in place if you did want to step up whilst the whilst the long distance travelling was was there um, and and as a as a forward thinking club I think you know we would have we would have looked at the avenues to to get a relevant sponsorship in to maybe to fund that if if we wanted to so we certainly weren't going to just sit there and think no this will be our level now until something does change so. The fact that it is changing obviously does help because the costs will be less um, for, for the amount of travelling that would, would, would take place. So, you know, it, it's, we would have still tried to go to go up, 
if, if, if there was no change or if there is going to be no change but obviously that, that does that does come at a cost so um, we have got a team of people behind us now that um, commercially looking at those sort of things and seeing that where we could where we could get more sponsorship in but you know it it's a good idea I feel um, because you know you, you do hear other clubs that are in that situation and you know you hear the complaints about the long distance travelling but at the same time that's, that's this level of football Ian isn't it I mean why should Cornwall be cut off just because other teams can't can travel I mean they, they've got great teams down there that are developing and so they they deserve the, the chance to step up and and if that means that we have to play down there we have to play down there but um, you know and if the, if the league are going to regionalise it then so be it but I think it's probably a good idea um, for, for cost cost purposes for clubs so Whatever, whatever the decision is that's going to be made, then you know we'll, we'll go along with it. Now let's talk a bit about the football because um, you had quite a close game, didn't you, at the weekend? Bristol uh, Telephones gave you a bit of a run for their uh, run for your money. Um, yeah, um, I have to confess right now I wasn't at the game um, on Saturday. Um, one of the only games hopefully I'll miss this year. But um, the the reports back were that yeah, it was a very very close game. Um, and if anything, uh, Bristol Telephones probably deserves to go in at halftime uh, leading the game. Um, our goalkeeper uh, pulling off a, a couple of uh, very decent saves to to keep the, the scores all level. Um, Telephones took an early lead, and we responded straight away with a with a very good goal by Callum. Um, but uh, yeah, we were we were uh, up against it in the first half, and all, all, by all accounts, with a much better performance second half. And um, and uh, won, the goal, uh, won the game with a absolutely uh, wonderful goal by all accounts from from Josh Henney, um from 30 yards. So a goal wor- worthy of winning any game, I was told. So yeah. Now you did have a very good win away at Wales earlier this season. They, they were one of the teams that I thought would go well this season. I mean, have you got a feel for which teams you think will be in the hunt? Um, I would agree with you there, uh, Ian. Um, I think Wales Wales are a very good side. Um, they had a difficult start. I think they lost to Briz on the opening day, um, and then and then lost to ourselves. But we kind of we were we were very good that 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 evening, um, and we kind of did a job on them. They had a lot of possession, um, but we, we kept our shape very well and probably frustrated them quite a bit. But their movement of their of their front three and and their uh, and their midfield is excellent. So they will they will cause a lot of teams problems, and they had an outstanding result the weekend beating Wincanton. So that shows where where they're at um, and I think Wells will be up there um, I think Wincanton as well obviously they're very strong um, very telling results up until Saturday but then being by a good Wells team um, and Briz Brislington I think will be up there um, I think it's no no secret that they've uh, recruited very well over the summer so yeah they'll be there and another team I think will do very well is Oldland I know Darren very well out Oldland, and they've got Will Justin in from Welton, so um, they've recruited very well as well by the looks of things, and uh, I think they'll be uh, they'll be up and around there this season as well. Well, you've got Longwell Green up next, and then you're away um, to Almondsbury, and that's another. That, that both of those are midweek fixtures, and um, I guess on paper you're going to fancy your chances, but those two sides, are, you know, they've they've certainly got an upset in them. Oh, definitely, definitely. I don't, um, if, if, if Longwell Green, we've got Longwell Green tonight, and if, if, if they come down and, and uh, do a job on us, it, it, I don't think that would be deemed as an upset, um, especially from Chris's point of view. 
they're very similar to ourselves over the last couple of years. They've, they've done a rebuilding job with a, with a, a very young team. Um, and I, they've had a decent start to the season. Uh, and I think Chris Lloyd's coming down and playing my side because he's, uh, I think he's beaten me every time he's played us. So, <laughs> um, I know, yeah. yeah, Chris loves seeing me. I don't know if I love seeing Chris so much. Um, but, no, he, he's a great guy and he's doing a terrific job there. So, we'll, we'll be... Um, we know exactly what we need to be, uh, what we need to do tonight to, to, to get the three points. So um, hopefully we can uh, turn recent results on its head against Longwell Green and, and get three points tonight. Excellent. Now, one final question um, for you, Eamon. Um, obviously, regular listeners to the podcast will know that um, you know we've we've had we've had a fair few interviews over the over the last few seasons. I've always enjoyed our chats, and one of the features of those conversations, particularly um, during lockdown, was um, one of your players, Nathan Truman, who uh, in 2020, in September 2020, um, Nathan was uh, diagnosed um, uh, with uh, synovial sarcoma. And uh, of course, he, he, him and his team raised a huge amount of money, over fifty thousand um, pounds, for uh, charities that um, support uh, young people with, um, you know, with with, with fighting um, cancer. And I just wondered, how's how is Nathan getting on? Uh, Nathan's doing very well. He's a great lad, and um, he loves his football, so he's he's eager to get back playing as, as soon as he can. But it's going to be a, it's going to be a long process for him. Um, but in the in the meantime, uh, Nathan's coming down, and we've got Nathan on on the coaching staff uh, doing defensive coaching with the side. Um, as, as people who know Nathan would, would know that he was an uh, extremely good defender, so this was a good uh, this was a good um, reason to get him, to keep him involved on a on a day to day basis with the club uh, or week to week basis. Um, so he's he's there in most match days now, doing his defensive duties, uh, uh, coaching duties with the team. Um, and we thought it would be a great opportunity for him, like I say, to, to, to keep involved and um, alongside with um, his own personal sort of development in, in trying to get fit. The physical attributes at the moment are probably still a little bit beyond him um, in his, in his, uh, in his um, recuperation from what he's gone through. So, but we'll, we'll do it in Nathan's time, like I've said before, and, and you know, he, he's, he's progressing very well um, and he's looking good and, and, and healthy and, and, and all that sort of thing so we're delighted with that um, and you know hopefully within time we'll see him back on the football pitch doing what he loves and doing what he does best and my thanks to Eamon for his time now we'll move on to Nowsy and Tickenham of course one of the sides we've already had on the podcast they've made a very impressive start to life in the Tool Station Western League. They're taking on Oldland Abertonians. I've got a feeling we're going to get some great things out of Oldland Abertonians mm-hmm. this season. And so it proved on Saturday. Absolutely. They, um, yeah, they're going to score some goals, that's for sure. They've got a couple of uh, centre-forwards, uh, or attacking players at least, who are yeah, really, really on song at the moment. And uh, a 4-3 win for them uh, way out in Nelsey. And this game, yeah, really um, shot to life towards the end of the first half. So Oldland leading by a goal to nil at the time. Uh, Stefan Lee putting them ahead pretty early on. But then, yeah, I think it was the 44th minute where the second goal of the game uh, went in. Owen McCallum uh, doubling the visitors' advantage. Uh, if you keep up, Nelsey then managed to pull a goal back uh, just, a, just a, a minute or so later uh, to make it 2-1. Uh, and then, it, well, it felt like following it on social media that it was every time you sort of refresh the page, another goal had gone in. So it was McCallum Scoring again, 
still at the end of the first half to make it 3-1. Uh, and then somehow in, in further stoppage time, Nailsy, yeah, came back uh, to make it 2-3 at halftime, if that makes... I, I mean, I'm even... Uh, making it far too complicated for myself to, so I don't know how the <laughs> listeners are going to keep up, but yeah, two three at half time, uh, and then yeah, lo and behold, they did uh, they managed to draw a level, of course they did. So it was three all uh, going into the the sort of final twenty minutes or so, uh, but it was Oldland and another one of their forwards, yeah, coming to the fore and and grabbing the three points. Courtney Charles, scissor kick from him, uh, leading them to their third win on the bounce, and uh, yeah, that's a yeah really impressive win. I don't think many teams will go to to nail Z and score four and let alone grab all three points. So, uh, yeah, fantastic starts to the season continues for Oldland. Uh, I think good signs from Nailsy as well. Um, so, yeah, good good game and, uh, yeah, plenty going on. <laughs> yeah, once to watch there. I don't think it's going to be that long before we get Oldland on the podcast. Mm. And finally, in the first division, Shirehampton, of course, another one of our new boys, they took on Cheddar, one of the, you know, established grandees of the first division. And, uh, well, the Cheesemen had a hard day at the office. They did, and uh, yeah, they will have. Uh, yeah, they look good for a point. Um, a goal for them from Lewis Chapel, cancelling out Ben Curtis, uh, pretty early opener. So it made it one all, and that was that was how it stayed for the majority of the afternoon. Really, heading into the final couple of minutes, looked like, as I say, looked like it was going to end one apiece. Uh, but Regan Lashenko fired home. <laughs> uh, there you go. Save the vest till last day. Uh, he fired home pretty late on, uh, in off the upright, and uh, yeah, that was. Uh, the late winner that Shirehampton needed. So a 2-1 victory for them uh, over the Cheeseman. What a name. Bang in. If you're thinking, Toolstation, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest and Santex. Yeah, they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Toolstation. With over 300 branches, there's always a Toolstation near you. Now, before we get into the fixtures that are coming up on Saturday, the 20th of August, of course, we do have plenty of Toolstation Western in action for you in the midweek. Still two, you know, very, very full um, fixture schedules on Tuesday and, you know, plenty of games on on Wednesday as well. What we are going to do before we get, before Tom and I get into the games on Saturday, the 20th of August, I would just like to introduce the interview that I did earlier uh, this week with Phil Hiscox and John Paul. Of course, Phil is the secretary of the Southwest Peninsula League and John is the chairman of the Toolstation Western League. Both have been on the podcast before talking about Project Southwest. Now, what is Project Southwest? Well, it's the proposed merger between the Toolstation Western League and the Southwest Peninsula League. Many Western League watchers will be, you know, very familiar with the the the, the enormous travel distances that happened after um, the uh, the FA's um, restructuring of, of, of the non-league pyramid. And, of course, Phil and John were right at the forefront of addressing that issue, coming up with a proposal to, um, to, to make life certainly more sustainable for clubs at our level of the pyramid. Well, the news came last month that the FA's Leagues Committee had sanctioned the proposed merger that John and Phil had put together. So my first question to Phil was to ask him whether that meant that this was definitely happening. Yes, pretty well. Uh, what it means is that, that that big hurdle of having approval from it. So basically, the whole project has changed from being a, a project group working on a proposal to the proposal is now granted. 
and it's now up to those same people with a few bits of help and we can talk about how that's going to develop instead of talking about a proposal now talking about how to make it a reality in time for the time frame which again until the FA had made the decision the time frame wasn't absolutely set in stone but it now is as the 23-24 season. One other sort of supplementary question to that, Phil, was I noticed it was the it was the league's committee um, who sort of made the, the statement on behalf of the FA. Can you, for, for those for those um, people listening who you sort of aren't familiar with the internal structure of the FA, who are the league's committee? What is their role in all of this? Each county FA has a, a member of the FA Council and there are certain others from the professional game, uh, the service football associations, all that sort of thing. Premier League and the EFL have representatives. And each of those people sit on an FA committee. So there's one on referees. The chap from Devon, Tom Sampson, sits on the referees committee. The chap from Cornwall, Jeff Lee, he sits on the FA VARS committee. Ironically enough, the chap from Somerset, Phil Chaplin, sits on the leagues committee. Um, so the leagues committee is made up of council members from up and down the country whose job, as beyond that subcommittee, is to control the national league system leagues it's not really for the leagues below that because those are dealt with by the county fa's themselves excellent stuff now john um and we've talked about the new structure starting for the 2023-24 season but what work needs to happen between now and then to make that a reality well initially you consider raw mang uh i mean it's, it's about now creating a new company uh, bearing in mind we obviously got another season to be able to sort of deal with uh, ongoing. We met on Monday, uh, representatives of both leagues, and we had an excellent meeting in terms of putting together how we saw the process um, being rolled out in regards to what needed to be done, what where the priorities led. And I think it was it was well established that, that we we have a fair uh, fair ideal that was there won't be major changes because most of the you know, both leagues run in a very similar fashion. What we would like to do is probably it may be necessary to seek advice with regards to things that we perhaps haven't identified when mergers come about. But we're fairly confident at the moment that now we've got the go ahead. Uh, what can I say? But no contact with the FA since that time with regards to what they're looking for but we've got you know we've got a fair idea um, and we believe that we got the expertise you know on both leagues to be able to you know to create this new business uh, and, and getting us looking you know, or getting us prepared for 23-24. So Phil I, yeah. I guess this is for many people listening to this this is going to be the million dollar question the joint statement made by the leagues um, talked about the new league running with five divisions, which will include a new fifth, a new division at step five. Um, so what clubs and fans are going to want to know is what, what are we going to be playing for this season? Um, so what can you tell us about how this structure is going to be populated? Yeah, to answer your question in two parts. The first part, the reason why it's five divisions is, is that was the primary object of the proposal that we developed over the last year is that the, the main issue that needed to be addressed is the travelling at step five. So that's why there's a creation of two step five divisions and still retaining three step six divisions. So that's the big change. As far as what they're playing for this season, at step five in the Western League, they are playing for exactly the same as they were playing for last season in that the champions will be promoted to step four. 
the runners-up would be all be, all things being equal, invited to play a playoff game against the low team from step four. Uh, obviously, in the case of XMAF last season, that didn't actually required, and you know, but that's ultimately the prize for whoever finishes second at step five this season, uh, unless the, the circumstances dictate a change. Now, as far as playing at step six and step seven, that is something worth play, changing for this season. Uh, at step six, remember there are three step six divisions, Peninsula East and West and Westley Division One. Clearly, there are going to be extra teams elevated, upward movement, the FA call it. You're not allowed to call it promotion, upward movement. And what the, the proposal document suggested and the FA Leagues Committee have ratified that the, the first priority for those upward movement clubs will be four clubs from each of the three step six divisions so that would be 12 clubs in all those four spaces would be exclusively for the leagues that they're individually playing in so they can't be transferred you can't say well we're going to take an extra club from Cornwall or an extra club from Bristol there's four spaces for Peninsula East, Peninsula West, West League Division One uh, and with the only slight asterisks on those is they've got to have both a G ground grading in place on the 31st of March, which the vast majority of clubs have. Um, and even if they haven't, they've still got that deadline. And secondly, they've got to give a written commitment to reach grade F, which is the highest standard within a year's time. So that's up to a club individually to make sure that they're aware of what they're letting themselves in for. I, I would expect pretty well every club to, to do that, you know, to, to, to just go forward with that. But it's a decision they have to make and they have to confirm in writing that they're prepared to do that at the end of the season. That, as I say, creates 12, space, uh, 12 clubs. There are going to be additional spaces uh, and that's when the muddies, waters get a little bit more muddied. They can come from one of two places. First of all, clubs playing in any Step 5 league or any league at the step, uh, in the National League system have a right to apply for a lateral move from one league to another. And the system to doing that is to put it in writing to the FA by the end of the calendar year. And then the FA Leagues Committee will make a decision. And as we had more recently with Canesham, a club can appeal that decision should they so wish. Now, the last couple of years, all of those cases have been clubs from uh, the Western League asking to, to leave to join a different competition, mainly the Hellenic League. What we would anticipate is that there are some clubs that have gone to the Hellenic League who may now, seeing the, the new proposal, the new geographical footprints, want to make a similar application to come from the Hellenic League back into the new league, the Step 5 division that, that will cover the Bristol area. The FA would have an have a absolute duty to, at the very least, listen to those proposals. Uh, any they grant would be automatically at step five because they would be lateral moves of clubs already playing at step five. Uh, unless, of course, they're in a relegation position, but that's, yeah, that's not muddy the waters too much on that. So that could fill the remaining spaces. I say could because we, it, this, on that one, there's a large number of unknowns. How many will apply? What will the FA's views be on those? Will the FA grant them? Will those clubs even appeal? Will they would have a right of appeal? So let's assume that it doesn't quite fit everybody up, and then that comes to our third category, which is not dependent on each individual league. It basically says if there are additional spaces, they will be offered to the clubs that have missed out at step six on a points per game basis. Um, and that could be 
any club in any of the three divisions, it could be more than one club in the, across the three divisions, it, it, we basically use points per game until we've got 36 clubs at step five. Dare I ask a question about the dreaded R word? Mm. Has has relegation featured in the uh, in the arrangements that you're considering for next season? From step five, I presume you mean. I, I'm, unfortunately, I'm going to have to declare an interest here, Phil, because I, I support a team that managed to get relegated from step six. Right. Well, OK, the, the answer is, is in two parts, then, because it, there are two differences. Right. It wasn't specifically in the proposal about relegation from step five. And myself and John have queried that. And, and I'm, I'm talking here slightly off the record in that we haven't got a written definition of this. But, but we are told that the national rules apply and that clubs who finish bottom of a step five division would be relegated and can't be reprieved. Clubs who finish in other relegation positions should be relegated, but could be reprieved, as they have elsewhere in the country last season. So my advice to anybody in the West League at the moment would be not to finish bottom, because that's that's the obvious danger spot. Now, at step six, it's different, because that is specifically mentioned in the proposal. And what it says is, because populating three step six divisions, having lost clubs upwards to step five, is going to produce a large number of vacancies, that relegation can be reduced at step six this season in order to protect the numbers. Uh, and again, my advice to clubs there is people like Sidmouth and Bishops Lydiard were reprieved last season, technically in a relegation position, but with quite a few points on the board. Uh, and I would imagine that's quite possible that they would be, clubs in a similar record would be reprieved this season. Equally, Devizes and Stoke Gabriel had a very much poorer points per game and were relegated. So in an ideal world, we would hope that whoever's in the relegation positions isn't cast adrift. John, if I can ask you, it, the joint statement talked about consultation having taken place to get us to this point. Can, can you tell people a little bit about what the leagues have done to consult and with whom? Yeah, it was at the behest of the FA, really, that... Um when the decision was fed back to us, uh, that in principle everything was agreed. There was obviously concerns uh, within the Leagues Committee. I think what they were thinking was, in particular with the county leagues, uh, or any of the feeder leagues come to that, that we were likely, or there was a requirement for us to be going back to those respective leagues and taking more than the clubs that would normally progress through the system by upward natural upward movement. As a result of that, we set about speaking uh, to both, uh, to all of the county FAs that were involved, together with all of the respective feeder leagues. Every one of those meetings was extremely positive, and every one of those meetings, we came away more than comfortable with the response that we'd received. Some meetings, obviously, I think there was, uh, can I say there was more meat added uh, than perhaps there were in others, but in principle, everybody understood you know, what was required in terms of the formation of the new league and were totally supportive. So in some respects, whilst it was, what can I say, a bit of a pain having to go through that process, it did turn out to be a very worthwhile exercise. 
Looking ahead, Phil, um, will there be more consultation when the plans for how the new league will be administered, you know, including things like what it's going to be called, will there be more consultation when those uh, are a bit, a bit better developed? Yeah, John's already alluded to the fact that there was a joint meeting on Monday just gone of the, between the two leagues. Um, and I think really the one thing that came out of that was that that was probably the last meeting of the project team. That is the team that have developed the, the overall idea. Yeah, yeah. And we're, we're now going to move to the next stage, which is a steering committee whose, whose job is to actually deliver it rather than talk about the hypothetical. On that, the first part of the consultation is with the board members of the two existing leagues to, to and those have already been written to this week. Uh, to find out who wants to be involved and what skills that they would feel to be involved. That's going to meet uh, regularly from September onwards. That committee will then be charged with all sorts of duties and jobs to be done, some very mundane ones, setting up the new company, bank accounts, uh, affiliation, the sanctions, some that will have a lot more interest to, to clubs, you know, like you said, that the name, uh, cup competitions, particular rules, all that sort of things, that those have all got to be developed over the next year. Although I do agree with John that a lot of the way things are run are dictated, A, because the two leagues run very similarly, but also both are uh, limited companies at the moment, both use the FA standardised rules, both use whole game for player registrations, both have the same common ground grading and we're both tied by the National League system regulations. So a lot of the rules are going to be written for us. But the way things are done uh, and some of the, the periphery ideas will change uh, and they'll change for both or for one or the other because I'm also a great believer that the both leagues at the moment do a lot of things very, very well. Um, and it's about making sure that we don't undermine that and possibly use the best practice in each individual situation from both yeah. leagues yeah. going forward. You know, that, and sometimes that will be, well, the way the Western League do things is the right way. Sometimes we wear that the pitch league is the right way. Sometimes it might be actually there's a better way than either league currently do. And, and whilst we're starting from scratch, yeah. now is the time to change things. But that's for that steering committee over the next year to explore and and the other decision from that steering committee is that there will be subcommittees um, clearly on things like finance uh, I'm not the league treasurer John's not the league treasurer but those sponsors finance huge issues for the league huge issues for the member clubs um, and it's only right that people with those skills uh, are given the opportunity to sit down and work out how best to, to plot the finances going forward so then, John, when we look at this, the narrative behind the merger, we, we, we've we've talked a lot about travel time, travel distance and, and travel cost. But what, what are the other benefits that, that you think will come for football in the southwest from from this proposal? I think the benefits are that, that clubs that possibly simply because of their geographical location in the, in the past, there's probably considered that there are opportunities to actively participate in the National League system have been extremely limited. And I think this gives everybody the opportunity now. I think what's important going forward is, is that there's, um, there's more advice given, there's more... I think what we need to set up, and it's, it's just another conversation that we, we need to have really at the moment, county FAs carry development officers. I think one of the considerations we may have to give is, is whether we actually can operate on a development side with a lot of these clubs to give, convince those clubs that, that, that it is doable. I, I mean, look, we, we recognise that, that 
clubs more or less know what their level is and what they're capable of being able to deal with. But I also think there's clubs out there that possibly um, are somewhat misguided in thinking that they probably can't cope with it. We all know how important funding is. It's a conversation that we certainly need to be having with with county FAs and and probably you know with the FA as well is without labour and I think we've always considered ourselves to be in a somewhat unique area down here and I think if there's a if there's an honest intent to allow clubs in particular in deepest Cornwall to be able to be active in the National League system then some of these things need to be addressed we're a long way away from that but in answer to your question, I think I think it's opening up the pathway for clubs that potentially thought perhaps not for them. There is a there is a concern um, going forward with regards to the sustainability for different reasons, really. And I think in the past the travel distances were key, uh, and, and we historically witnessed clubs that that. Unfortunately, we're never really going to be able to sustain it over the long term. And I think what we need to be able to do now is get ourselves, you know, get the new league in a position whereby clubs that actually have aspirations can actually see those aspirations through. Phil, questions have been asked about how this proposal is going to work in practice, um, specifically whether it's going to over promote. Um, teams into the new Step 5 division, as well as potentially reducing the number of clubs at Step 6 in the divisions to, to only 16. What, what are your, what's your response to that criticism? <laughs> I think, first of all, let's take Step 5 first. Um, I don't consider two 18s to be a problem at Step 5, um, and that's because there was so much commitment to, to other cup competitions. Uh, it reduces the amount of midweek travel, and let's be perfectly blunt, clubs in throughout football, this isn't a, a, an issue for the Southwest, players and match officials and groundsmen don't play on the ploughed fields that they used to do when we played 40-odd league games in a season. Um, and perhaps they, and probably they, sh they shouldn't. I mean, some of us of an older generation look at it and say it looks bloody playable to me. Uh, but, but, you know, people don't. They say they expect a better quality of pitch. So... I'm very comfortable with 18s at step five. Um, as to whether it will water down the standard, let, let's be perfectly blunt here. It's a gamble. Um, and yeah. everything you do a gamble, to stay still is the easy thing to do. To carry on doing things the way you've always done them is the easy thing to do. And you know, the one thing I would commend the people involved in both sides of this proposal is their willingness to, to put things that they used to do on the line for the better of, of football by doing something different. If that's a gamble, yes, it, it, then so be it. And some clubs you know, may be over-promoted. Some clubs, it will be absolutely ideal for them. It will be the difference between, dare we say it, choosing to play at step six or, or at step five because you, you've created something that suits them so well. For others, it will be something they will strive to achieve, perhaps in order to reach a timeline that's dictated. The one thing I would say on that gamble, though, is if it was a gamble 12 months ago, this, this restructure, when we talked about travel times, the way the cost of living is going, the way the cost of fuel is going, energy bills and things, it's less of a gamble now 
There's, yeah, there's actually more more reasons now to reduce travelling than there was a year ago. Uh, so on that side of the coin, I'm quite happy that uh, the percentage of whether this is a good idea is actually a higher percentage than it was when we first sat down. Now at step six, just for, I, 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 myself and John, we both share the concern that 16 is very low. Um, and it's not our plan, if possible, to have 16s. We would like to have 18s. What we have to accept, though, is that the FA are quite rightly in their regard, making sure that they protect the regional feeder leagues below, in that we don't over-promote and, and to the detriment of the sustainability of those leagues. So 16 to 18s are possible. What we have said there, though, is if they are going to be 16s, particularly as at step six, you still have to have floodlights, then another competition, now, now that the format of that hasn't been discussed, we, we called it a cup competition, that could be a round robin, it could be two-legged, it could be straight knockout, uh, it's going to have to be developed to encourage extra fixtures and probably extra midweek fixtures. Um, and I'm quite excited actually there that uh, at step six, putting in some extra local derbies as cut commitments could be a good boost for those clubs' yeah. finances as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things I have learned from what's happened over the last year or two is that the, the issue of travelling reduces the number of good payday local derbies for all clubs. That's true in Bristol, where you know every time you're playing a team from Cornwall is a team where before you were playing somebody more local. And true in Cornwall, that if, you, if you're playing um, a team from Bristol, you're not playing a team from elsewhere in Devon and Cornwall. So local derbies are very important, not just on the pitch for local honours, they're also very important to club chairman and club treasurers. Uh, one final question then uh, for you, John. Um, obviously, there's an awful lot of work that needs to take place to get this up and running for the start of next season. Where do we go from here? You know, first mentioned the fact now that we need to start lightening everything up with regards to who wants to um, be part of the steering groups, be part of the subcommittees to take this all forward. We're fairly confident at this point in time that we know the direction we're going in. What we have, uh, or we're in the process of setting about now is producing things like Gantt charts, to, which is probably going to put us under a bit of pressure really, but there are reasons for that and one, as yet, we've not had any direct contact from the FA, as we referred to early on. I think they will probably want to start monitoring what progress is being made towards setting up the new company. And it's, it's also a mechanism for reporting back to the clubs to let them know what progress is being made or not. Like Phil alluded to on Monday, we're probably further forward than we perhaps anticipated we would be at this stage. So we're quite comfortable with where we're going. Um, in the long term, it's going to be the clubs that's going to make or break this. And we've listened. You know, the project was launched on the basis that we recognised the existing restructure was never going to work in the long term. We've on, you know, we've embarked on what we've, you know, the, the route that we're going down now. We've got the support as far as we're concerned of all the stakeholders, including you know the, the FA. Yes, there's a lot of work to be done, but I'm quite confident, well, I am confident that we will, you know, we will achieve the deadlines by 23, 24. Um, in fact, we got to. Um, 
but there's nothing there's nothing for me that that says that that isn't achievable what i would actually ask you know given the opportunity is is for those people that are doubting you know whether uh, this can work or not it is very much down to the clubs and their desire to want to participate in this and that reference is being made more to the clubs in the feeder leagues you know seriously think now about whether you'd like to participate it's not for everybody i understand that but there is a lot on offer and there will be a lot on offer we got a number of things that are in the air at the moment which has been alluded to as regards to the financial implications in and around the new league we've been very fortunate for some considerable time now to have very good sponsorship we're hoping that continues because without a shadow of doubt it will play a major part in in our future so yeah exciting times looking forward to it very much i'm very you know more than happy with the way things are progressing at this point in time And my thanks to Phil and John for their time and their candour. I think everybody who listens to that interview will realise they really didn't duck a question. And I did try and put the questions that, you know, I've I've seen, certainly on social media and from the people I speak to in the game, that um, I think we all want answered. So we will get more news out of Phil and John as this develops. Um, but um, to be fair to both of them, they're putting in a huge amount of work to, uh, to address this. And I think it will be to everyone's advantage right then now let's look ahead let's talk about the football once again and that is um tool station western league football on saturday the 20th of august and starting off in the premier division tom what game has taken your eye gone for a couple of sides who actually suffered defeat on the weekend so we've got sherborne uh, hosting wellington as so i both went down to uh, yeah both went down to three two defeats didn't they so um yeah they'll be uh, looking to looking to hit back but they have i think yeah, made relatively good starts. Obviously, it's still early days, so looking at saying good starts, I, that's why one of the reasons the the bulletin doesn't yet include league tables. It feels, still feels a little bit early. We're not even had a month of the season yet. Uh, but two sides who, yeah, I think, um, yeah, potentially under under the radar a little bit. Uh, yeah, and they go ahead on on meet at Rally Grove on Saturday afternoon. I think that would be a yeah tasty game. Well, I think another tasty game is going to be Millbrook against Barnstable. I reckon both of those sides will fancy they can get from something something from that fixture. And of course, both of those sides will be, um, you know, will be looking, I'm sure, towards the top of the table. Two sides that perhaps will be more focused on consolidating their existence in the Premier Division will be Ashton and Backwell United against Welton Rovers. Again, what makes this fixture really mouth-watering is the fact I think both sides will be targeting it for a win. Welton, of course, got that first win at the weekend. Ashton and Batwell have been around the block now in the Premier Division, and I think they'll look at this as an opportunity to take on some new boys and get some points on the board. So my interest at the weekend is going to be in the Premier Division, Ashton and Batwell United against Welton Rovers. Now, dropping down to the First Division, Tom, what game has caught your eye there? I've gone for FC Bristol hosting Brislington. So I want to see if the away side can, uh, yeah, maintain the strong start, really. I think um, we touched on, uh, yeah, it's been a impressive enough uh, beginning to life for them in the first division. And, uh, yeah, another tough tough away game for them on Saturday afternoon. So, uh, yeah, see if they can keep the good start up. A few good games in the first division, I think, this, uh, this weekend. Odd down against Bishop Sutton. Two sides, I'm sure, that will want to be fighting up at the top of the table there or thereabouts. 
Um, both sides, I'm sure, will think that they can win this. Warminster, my God, what's happened to them this season? I think we can expect um, a reaction from them. But Almondsbury, you can't, you can never underestimate them. Well, City against Radstock Town, you know, two sides not separated by a million miles, but um, both of them, I'm sure, will want to get going. But my my attention is AK Bocco against Cheddar. Cheddar, I I maintain this. I, I maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm mistaken here, but you know, Cheddar have been so good for so long in the first division. I really do think they're going to come good this season. And AK Bocco, four nil. Uh, they won at the weekend. You know, they were going loco down in AEK Boko. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, you know, that, that they will be up for this at the weekend. Absolutely um, sure about that. So that's where my fixture of the first division is on Saturday, the 20th of August. Tom, we have been reviewing your excellent bulletin. It feels like for the millionth time, it's probably not. I think we're probably mm-hmm. around the 220th time. Yeah. But where can the listeners find that? You'd hope I'd know by now. So I think it is on the uh, <laughs> Tour Station Western League, uh, the official website. Uh, it's about halfway down the home verge, I'd say. Uh, there's a little, uh, little, um, little button on there you can press, and that'll take you to the the most recent publication. Uh, and that's yeah, downloadable every weekend uh, after the games and, and looking ahead to what's to come. So yeah, that comes out every week. And it not only features the match reports that we talk about, and of course the fixtures, but also some pictures as well. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I'm hoping that. For this week's episode of the podcast, we'll get some new listeners. Falmouth Town are a really well-supported side. Mm. We know that. We talked about that in the preview we did before this season. And there's a picture from Falmouth, um, their win over Clevedon as well. So um, for those people who enjoy their Western League football, they enjoy, you know, know, I suppose the more print journalism element of Mm. it, then um, the bulletin is definitely for you and um, hopefully you enjoy it. And it's something that you might not have seen in your non-league football experience before. Anyway, um, well, that's enough from me. And uh, and of course, Tom. Tom, thank you very much for your time. And I look forward to talking to you on next week's Tool Station Western League podcast.